0: Hi, my name's Stephen Crafty. I'm presenting Talking Design at RMIT University in Melbourne, and I'm here with Emma Goodser. Emma is a jewellery designer. She started her career as a jewellery designer, and I just heard today, 17 years ago, she established E.G. et al. in Flinders Lane in Melbourne. Is that, did I pronounce it cor- correctly?
1: You did, but we actually established the store in Little Collins Street, and then we moved to Flinders Lane.
0: Correct. Yeah. So it's 17 years. That yeah. really is a milestone.
1: Well, it is. And when I look back on that, I think, you know, how naive and ignorant we were when we started. <laughs> we opened our door and we didn't know how to use an FPOS machine. We had just friends. We were selling friends' work. And we really just stumbled our way through the beginning.
0: Obviously, your love of contemporary jewellery started with your own mm. career and producing contemporary jewellery. Was it the frustration of not being able to find an outlet And just thinking, well, what am I going to do?
1: Absolutely, Stephen. (laughs) You hit the nail on the head. So I did a a degree at RMIT, a fine art degree majoring in gold and silversmithing, and I set up a studio with a couple of friends at the back of Daryl Jackson's office and started just selling to a local tailor, making cufflinks for him, and then, Mm. you know, was selling through a few other outlets, but getting frustrated with them not really understanding contemporary jewellery and... And one day I was walking down Little Collins Street to my silver supplier, and there was a shop for lease. It was at the back of George's. And I thought, well, how high could it be? Surely I can do this, set mm-hmm. up a shop. And it, it, I think that naivety was a good thing, because if I'd known what I was in for, I would never have done it. But so we opened, we got a grant from the city of Melbourne to set up the business.
0: Were there, I mean, at the time there would have been uh, Gallery for was Yeah, there?
1: she'd just opened. She'd been open for maybe a year. Yeah. And there was Maker's Mark.
0: Which is now closed.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And Maker's Mark really specialised more in the souvenir tourist market. Well,
1: a bit of everything. They they did have a lot of jewellery, but it changed ownership and their sort of philosophy changed and it made it quite hard for contemporary jewellers to work with.
0: So there's very little. Now there's a lot of contemporary Now there's je- a lot. So why <laughs> Melbourne? Why do you think Melbourne is so huge on contemporary jewelry
1: I know I've thought about this a lot and I guess Sydney doesn't have it no well Sydney has had it at different times but it never succeeds there
0: so why Melbourne
1: I think it's because the RMIT school is strong here so there's there's a lot of graduates that come out in Melbourne mm. um, and there's there's just a culture of of design in Melbourne and there's a culture of appreciating design and that does flow into appreciating jewelry and people not wanting just a pair of gold hoops or a the latest fashion, costume, jewelry, but wanting a piece that is is designed and made by a designer.
0: For those uh, who didn't hear the show, we we I had uh, an interview with Julia Deville mm. uh, on the program on this program a number of months ago, mm. and you stock Julia Deville's work.
1: We do, yeah.
0: It must be quite challenging for you to push the boundaries towards the more edgy contemporary jewelry, or you think people are now quite accepting of?
1: Look, I think um, we've been representing Julia Wright since the beginning. In fact, before she was making jewellery, she used to work in the shop with me.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah.
1: So I have a long relationship with Julia. So we talk about it quite a bit, about how we represent her work. And we are the only gallery in Australia, the only place where she sells her precious range, you know, her range with diamonds and gemstones and things. And we also, as part of representing her, we do sell some of her taxidermy or we've had exhibitions where we've displayed it. And I've had a conversation with Julia about how we can't, we're not the space to show all of her taxidermy because...
0: You haven't got the space. Well, we or-
1: literally don't have the space, but also that we do have customers who just react badly to it. And I'm not trying to tr- create controversy. I'm trying to tread a line between people feel comfortable coming to buy their wedding engagement rings, but they are challenged but not disturbed.
0: So they don't want to see a mouse head on a brooch.
1: Oh, no, I'm happy with mouse head. <laughs> I wouldn't do a hanging dead calf.
0: <laughs> right. Well, that's, that's a big piece to put on your chest, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know.
1: But we've had birds and we've had mice and we've even, oh. we've had ducklings and little kittens. So
0: that's okay. People okay with that. Yeah, I mean, okay we, we get that. a
1: little bit of hate mail, but I don't mind a bit of hate mail. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, Emma, in terms of, that, you've been very supportive of a number of contemporary jewellers over the years, mm. many, mm. and a lot of them have had their foundations laid by you. Yeah. Uh, some of them would obviously approach you directly when they first graduated and say, look, Emma, um, mm. I'd love to show up my work Mm. in your store which must be you know you must have jewelers all the time what do you look for and who are the type of people that you've felt that you've really seen blossom over the last 17 years
1: Mm. well I look I look for a mix of things and often it's it's about sort of curating the collection so uh it's it's filling gaps sometimes and working out you know what we really need and it's you know I always don't like to step on Someone's toes. So if we've got an artist whose work we've been selling for a while, and another artist comes in, and I think it's a bit similar, hmm. even if that work's really fantastic, I just have to say no. You know, this space we already we already have someone doing work like that. You'll have to find somewhere else because I do try and really support support those artists, and I don't want them to feel like hmm. they're threatened. Um, but I'm looking for work that obviously is is well-made but says something and adds to our collection. So it can't just simply be
0: a, a nice really piece. Li-
1: lovely piece of jewellery. It has to actually add to our collection and and make a statement in some way.
0: So who who makes these statements? So Who are some of the people that you've watched grow and really found their voice?
1: Yeah, well, well obviously Julia yeah. Deville is one and she's just gone gang- gangbusters. Um, and then there's people like Catherine Bowman who are, yeah, she's, she's not as, um, you know, out there as Julia, but she, in her really quiet, beautiful way. We've represented Catherine for, I don't know, it might be 15 years or something like that. And she, all her work is handmade and it's, she's very, she invests a lot of sort of love and emotion into her work and she's, she's. Mainly rings? No, no. I mean, a a lot of rings because that's the demand. A lot Mm. of people want a Catherine Bowman ring, especially for wedding rings or engagement rings. But she's also, she's had several exhibitions with us and she's got an exhibition coming up this year. And often one exhibition was all about earrings and one was all about necklaces. And she's also, she's quite an artist. So they're quite, she likes to include a lot of painterly techniques in Mm. where she'll, she'll paint the metal and She'll, you know, engrave it and they're very labour-intensive. and mm-hmm. yeah. One-offs. Oh, absolutely one-offs, yeah. yeah.
0: Who else is someone to watch out for?
1: Well, we've got um, quite a new artist. Well, she was with us for a while. This is Laura Isles mm-hmm. and now uh, she's back with us a after a break. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and her work is she she decided to go away and travel and she went she was a jeweler and she did a course um, at nmit and then she decided to go and work as a truck driver in the nullarbor
0: wow. in mining what in an mining. opposite choice of career
1: i know this beautiful blonde jeweler worked as a truck driver <laughs> and she says it was amazing because it was like being a chef Working out you know working with where food came from, from farm to plate, and so,
0: <laughs> it is the stones materials well, the
1: materials and that 's what 's really fascinating about contemporary jewelry, so often they 're really interested in the materials, so she worked in the mines where they were finding gold,
0: she actually worked in the mines,
1: yeah, driving the trucks and yeah yeah, yeah. and she says that was an incredible experience for her to really see where the materials came from and to get a, a greater appreciation. Um
0: so how did th- so how did that affect her work?
1: Well, um let me show you this. Um so she, how it affected her work by um she really got an appreciation for the materials and she just started to oh.
0: yeah. Talk me through it. <laughs> she-
1: um she's she's a really interesting person she studied jewelry, but she also has a real fascination and did a bit of study around engineering so a lot of her work uses um mechanical techniques so there's there's movement and a playfulness in them and you know and so a lot of her work is like the the big machinery out in the mining towns where there's there's big cogs and things right. that turn and and then you know also out in that environment she you know really saw the night sky clearly mm. and so she refers to constellations a lot um, she has this so by doing that she gets this beautiful mix of organic shapes mm. um, combined with these mechanical operations that that you can play with so mm. they're playful mm. and they the pieces sort of look like cogs from machinery but then they've got this overlay of an organic sort of something mm. that's sort of dug up out of the ground
0: you tend to s- have a lot of jewellers or a number of jewellers who have come from different disciplines. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of one who was a landscape architect. Yep. Uh, architect. Ca- Cass Partington. Yes. And, and she was a landscape architect or designer and started working with plastics
1: oh no you're thinking of cassandra cassandra yes we don't represent her anymore she went on to do interior design oh
0: okay (laughs) more sensible choice
1: yeah but we do we have a lot of people that come from either a science background we've got psycho psychotherapists we've got architects we've got landscape designers it is something and i don't know what it is i think it might be something to do with um the personableness and the scale of jewelry where they're People really come from a a background where it's either working on a larger scale or it's impersonal, and they come. And jewellery is more about creating something very, you know, related Mm. to the body, and um, something that's they can do easily, quite transportable. I mean, it
0: is getting stronger and stronger. Mm. But there are people who don't get it, and it is pretty hard to try and explain to people Mm. why you would spend three hundred dollars for a cardboard bracelet, or three or two hundred dollars for something you know made of plastic. Mm. Do you get people like that in the store who (laughs) who really challenge the idea? You know what you've been doing for seventeen years, and you feel like God, I have to keep explaining why contemporary yeah. jewellery is valid.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can remember that when we first opened in Little Collins Street in the first six months, there was a note slipped under the door because we had something in the window mm. um, that was made out of cotton and plastic and and the note slipped under the window, which was incredible that someone had taken the time to write a note saying, this is shit, my <laughs> six-year-old son could make something better than this. <laughs> And in the beginning we were really explaining it and people would come into the shop and look sadly at us and think, oh, you poor girls, how are you going to survive selling this stuff? Stuff. (laughs) But I think now after 17 years we we have a bit more of a reputation and, you know, obviously we've Mm. been around for a while and so people aren't so questioning about the relevance of it. Mm. They don't understand it always, but they appreciate that there
0: isn't. But, you know, that note, you know, my 6 year old child could do that. I mean, that applies to... Painting, Picasso, any great artist.
1: Yeah.
0: They didn't do it. That's the thing. They didn't do it. Yeah,
1: they didn't have the idea. And it's easy
0: to do it once you've seen it in a window and then go home and sketch or mock something up. But they didn't have that idea.
1: No, and often it is more about the idea than the actual materials. Yeah.
0: Where do you think we're going in contemporary jewellery, Emma? Where do you think some of the things... I mean, it's not like a a fashion look, but... do you think mm. contemporary jewellers are using more precious materials, for example, than they used to?
1: Yeah, I, I do. I think, um, you know, there was a while where p- contemporary jewelries were really rejecting precious materials and diamonds and gold. For and for
0: plastics. And going stuff.
1: for plastics and, you know, crazy things, making more sort of body sculptures.
0: Early 80s.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know now there is a real appreciation for those materials and a respect for those materials. Um, and I think that it, it's just becoming more widespread that people are really looking for something that is more of an expression of themselves and an expression of, you know, belonging to some sort of tribe. And jewellery is sort of coming back to its origins, really. They're really using it to express that belonging, to, to say, i you know, this is what I'm interested in. And... um And maybe that makes contemporary jewelry a little bit more conservative Mm. in some ways because it is becoming slightly more mainstream. But of course, there's, you know, there's people that are working way outside that as well.
0: Who's someone that's exciting you at the moment who you'd rather not say? Is there a designer that's kind of. Uh,
1: no, um. I just re- I get really fascinated by mm. seeing all the graduates and just seeing what's coming, and you see waves of different movements as people come out of um, out of their their studies. There is no one in particular that I am just mm. wowed by.
0: And the other question that's stumped me for many, many years, Emma, and maybe mm. you can help me through <laughs> this. But given contemporary jewellery in Melbourne is probably I mean Melbourne is a city for contemporary jewellery is probably in the top half a dozen worldwide yeah, it is. after Germany and the Netherlands. Yeah. Why is it so underrepresented in the media? Because I just can't work it out.
1: I know this is your bugbear. I don't know either. I can't answer that. I wish I could. Um,
0: because there's such great stories with each piece.
1: I know. I think it's because it just it falls in a gap. It sort of it falls. It's not quite in fashion. It's not quite in art. It's not quite in craft. It's just this. It, it's 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 an art form, but it uses uh, 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 materials often that are a global commodity. It just sort of is lies in no man's land, and I think a lot of the times um, editors have met. Magazines mm. and newspapers just don't, don't really know what to do with it or way to get it, how to get it. Yeah,
0: because Susan Conn did an extraordinary exhibition mm. called um, "Unexpected Pleasures" yes. a couple of years ago. Yeah. A really, a blockbuster show yeah, at the was. National Gallery of Victoria. Mm. I went three or four times mm. and kept circling mm. and thinking how wonderful it was that so many um, designers and creatives from Melbourne were represented in this international, Exhibi- international yeah. and it, then it went to London mm. so obviously it made an impact in London and yet it again didn't receive enormous coverage when it was presented
1: I know it is really fascinating I, I do think it's um, it, because we're not used to thinking of jewellery in that way jewellery is is it still has those sort of traditional overtones and strings of the pearls well yeah mm. and solitaire diamond rings and mm. And people... I don't know. It's really strange that people just don't get...
0: I mean, as a writer, it must be particularly frustrating. Uh, Well, I get particularly frustrated because I think, you know, architects, all creators can learn so much by looking at jewellery. I mean, I see them as miniature buildings sometimes. Mm.
1: Well, so many of our... Clients are architects and designers because there is that relationship.
0: But uh, for someone like you, it must be very frustrating when you have an exhibition and you think, hmm, how come I didn't get a response to that?
1: It is. It's incredibly frustrating. And we're constantly sending things out to the media um, and having exhibitions. And it's, we're, we're always trying to find new ways of reaching people, but it is really hard. So mm. in the end, we we just really build up our Clientel. database and we just we sort of – Contact people directly. Mm.
0: Well, I mean, I'd like to thank you on behalf of my audience mm. for establishing the store, Egypt oh, thank you, Steve. 17 years ago yes. because it's enriched my life and I think thank it's enriched you. Melbournians' lives mm. and we're a much better place for it, irrespective or not, whether it's covered every you know in the media i think it's really an important part of our culture so
1: <laughs> thank you yeah i do i mean i do still get people walking in and saying introducing their friends and saying oh no this is a real melbourne institution and i think it's because melbourne is a strong city in terms of contemporary jewellery and EGHR was is one that's been around for the longest yeah. and we do just sell uh, Australia australian just used... and new zealand designers whereas other galleries you know sell international, international. and yeah
0: How does before we go? How does New Zealand and Australia kind of relate in terms of how do you see the difference? Can you, if someone came in, if you didn't, if you weren't told, uh, what piece was from from, what piece was from Australia and what piece was from New Zealand? Mm. Can you actually identify the signatures?
1: Often I can. Yeah, often New Zealand work uh, has a real sense of nationality and there's a really organic um, feel to it. Um,
0: People like Warwick Freeman. and
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah there's actually a – New Zealand is another place that's really strong in terms of, um, well, design in general but and also particularly in contemporary – And you were
0: getting – sorry, Emma, you were saying an Australian design as opposed to New Zealand design had
1: – Yeah, well, New Zealand design ha- does have a very strong identity about it that is – it's it's just a New Zealand national identity, and often they do, uh, you know. I do find that New Zealand art- artists often refer to their natural flora, mm. and um, and that there's just a design aesthetic that is quite often recognisable.
0: I'd yeah. probably say Melbourne's fairly unpredictable. We really mm. have, s- in terms of the broad range of talent we have here. Mm. Mm. It is quite extensive. It's very difficult to categorise. Mm.
1: Yeah, it is. Yeah, because we we do have, um, you know, we have Julia Deville making. You know, and her work is often referring to her other sort of practice, which is taxidermy. So she often casts little bones and casts little animals and things. And then, but I love that we get that real mix of materials and, and often for contemporary jewellery. That's where people, that's where yeah. designers start is with an interest in a material or, you know, or a sense of playfulness or, you know, playing with paper that reminds mm. them of doing something in their childhood and they have this technique that they learnt when they were a child and then they've developed into how to make it into a piece of jewellery. And and it's just this creativeness and inventiveness.
0: It must be exciting It's it, mm. for you to see this great talent come through.
1: It is, it is. I love it. And I go to all the graduate exhibitions mm. and um, each year I give an award to the graduates from that, to a graduate mm. from that year. And I really love that. And as part of that award, you know, there's a monetary component to it, but there's also a mentoring component where mm. they can um, work with me on how to develop mm. a range to sell, um, you know, and usually it's through EG Ital. So because it's quite tricky to go from graduating too. to to developing a range there's you know there's things to consider about the most effective techniques to make it to the pricing to the marketing to the mm-hmm. to the you know wearability of a piece and i that's a role I love playing, mm-hmm. and that's a role that's always been really important at e g atal is that nurturing graduates into sort of into actually having uh an income from their jewellery. Because mm. when I set it up, with I set it up with Ali Lim 19, 17 years ago and we were both relatively recent graduates of RMIT and found that that step out of studying into the marketplace, very daunting and very unknown and hard. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's that's a role that I continue mm. to play and really enjoy helping graduates. Mm.
0: Emma? Thanks so much for coming on the show today. It's been a pleasure. I could talk contemporary jewellery every day. <laughs> um I think it's very exciting, and I think it's very exciting for Melbourne um so look thanks so much for coming in you've been with stephen crafty talking design at rmit university in melbourne thanks, thanks. so much for coming
1: thanks stephen and thanks for being an ambassador of contemporary jewelry for well so long. i
0: do my best <laughs> i do my best i just wish an editor would ring you up and say stephen you know what we'd like you to do a column a weekly column on a contemporary jeweler every week yeah. and the thing is there'd be more than I could handle.
1: Yeah. Well, edit- all the editors out there, please take note. Please
0: take note. <laughs> On that note, we'll sign off. Thanks again, Emma. Thanks, Stephen. Bye.